Well, good morning. It's nice to be here with you. It's so fun to come down. This morning I came, drove down from Auckland, uh, and the sunrise was just stunning. If you uh, have an urge to get up at half past five in the morning, it's amazing, and I'd highly recommend it. Uh, as Craig said, my name is John O'Hesp, uh, and I have the privilege of being the executive director here in New Zealand of Alpha. Uh, but uh, this is actually my third time working for Alpha. Uh, I got to work at Holy Trinity Brompton in the UK and do all the behind the scenes of running the Alpha course there. So we had about 700 people on a Tuesday night, 300 people on a Wednesday night, and three, about 25 people turn up on a Wednesday morning. Uh, and as you can imagine, there was a small team of us that ran around like headless chickens, uh, organising all of that stuff and making it happen. Uh, and I was, I was privileged to be part of that team. And then uh, my wife and I uh, backpacked around the world uh, and came back to New Zealand. Um, and uh, we spent about a month living with uh, my parents, which was all she could handle. Uh, and then about two months living with her parents, which was all I could handle. Uh, moral of the story is I've got more staying power. Uh, and, um, and during that time, um, we were madly looking for jobs. My wife is a lawyer, um, and uh, so we were you know, out there job-seeking and searching. And she said to me one day, why don't you call the local Alpha office and see uh, if they have a place? Uh, and my background uh, was youth and students, and uh, youth and children. And they were looking for a um, national youth and student person. Uh, and so I ended up working for Alpha New Zealand uh, for a year and a year and a half or so uh, as their national youth and student and got to run around and talk to lots of youth groups and student groups. Uh, but... Uh, we were also trying to have children, Lynn and I, that's my wife, uh, and um, when you're travelling the country and trying to have children, it's awkward, because uh, there are certain times that you need to be together, and it doesn't always happen. Uh, and uh, so in the end, I ended up working for, uh, uh, leaving that job and working for the Australian High Commission uh, in Wellington. And it was one of the most secular workplaces I think I've ever worked in. Um, and I've done a number of them, but this one was, I think I was the only Christian in the building. Uh, and of course, the first question that you get asked uh, when you start a new job is, so what did you used to do? And I've just come from working for Alpha, uh, a fairly evangelical, evangelism-focused organisation, and I'm sorry if I just freaked you out by saying the word evangelism, uh, but it's okay, it's okay, I'll say it once more. Um, and, but, you know, people ask you, so what did you used to do? Uh, now, I love to talk. Uh, I don't know if you've, well, some of you have met me because I've been down doing some training, um, but one of the things I love to do is talk. And being married to a lawyer, we love to talk. Uh, and, uh, and, and we call it verbose discussion. Uh, and uh, what happens sometimes when people ask you those sorts of questions? Well, you can hedge, can't you? Uh, you can say things like, well, my last job, I, I used to do training. I'd run around and talk to a lot of people, do all sorts of things. Or you can come out and say what you do. I decided to do the latter. Uh, and most people's response when something like this. <laughs> and they ran away. Well, walked quickly. But over the year and a half that I worked there, uh, almost every member of staff at some point or other come up to me 
either into my office or into the lunchroom and said something along the lines of, so what does your God think about? Why did Christians do... Or what about... And it was all spiritual. It was all God-related. And for me, it was an amazing experience because here I was sort of putting myself out there and... Initially, everyone's response was the step back and run away. But over that time, people started to ask questions. Uh, And it was a really amazing time. I even had one, uh, the High Commissioner, come and ask me a question as well. And that, for me, just blew my mind. Because it actually showed me that people are interested in spiritual stuff. People are interested in finding out what we know. And in the end, what we've got to do is invite them to come and be part of it. And then the decision is theirs. For me, I found that invitation is the key that opens people's hearts. It's the thing that starts them on a journey. Or continues their journey further. Maybe that's a better way to put it. But it starts them just walking forward. And then finding out, finding out, that sounds slightly like we're, I don't know, like like we're hidden. We're not really. But them knowing that we're a Christian gives them that opportunity to come and ask us questions. But it also gives us an opportunity to invite them to come and be part of what we have. And we have, well, we have something quite exciting. We have hope. We have joy. We have freedom. And that for me is quite cool. Not for you guys? You okay? You sure you... I need a coffee injection or something like that. But for me, that's something quite exciting. But I think we have a thing that gets in our way uh, sometimes. And you might have experienced this as well. Uh, I like to think of it as spaghetti in my tummy. And sometimes it just feels like it comes up to my throat and blocks me from saying things. Uh, I quite regularly go and get my hair cut. Uh, and uh, my hairdresser's name is Shane. Uh, he wears one of those badges that you can see in the mirror, uh, or you can look at him and it shows his name up the right way. You probably didn't care, but I just love the badge. Uh, and uh, we always have conversations. And sometimes he asks me about what I do, or he asks me about something deeper, a slight spiritual question, or a God question, or a big life question. And probably I would say three quarters of the time, the spaghetti or the butterflies, depending on how you like to think about it, suddenly appear in my stomach and and block me off. Sometimes I push my way past those things and I remember things like, do not fear, I am with you. And that opportunity to talk to him happens. And we've been having this conversation now for about four or five years. I've invited him to come to Alpha or come to my church, and he's said no. But actually that place of just stepping into that space for me has been vaguely terrifying, but also amazingly releasing. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about that and about breaking those fears. Because we have them, don't we? You might be... You might not want to admit them, 
But sometimes we have that fear of rejection. We have that fear of, well, if I tell them, they're going to say, no, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Has anyone ever had that thought process run through their head? I have a a mate of mine uh, who came to me uh, and he said, "Uh, I have a spare ticket for the ballet. I said, that's awesome. He said, it's free. I said, I'm not surprised. (laughs) He said, would you like to come? I think I took a big breath and my initial thought was no. But this was my friend asking me. And I said yes. And I went and actually the bellow was okay. And I now have a new appreciation for it because I've got an eight-year-old daughter who loves to do ballet as well, loves to dance around the lounge and do all sorts of things. But for me, there's there's something in that, isn't there? That actually he was facing a fair amount of possible rejection from me. But he still put himself out there because he trusted that our friendship would go on beyond the ballet invite. And I think it's the same when we come to faith. People's impressions of what it is like here in church, they they don't know. They don't know. They might have seen Mr Bean on TV. Has anyone seen Mr Bean go to church? Yeah, cool. He sings hallelujah really, really badly. Uh, And people think that's what we do on a Sunday. I don't think that's quite what we do on a Sunday. Or uh, they've seen some movie where they do all sorts of random things at church. And that's their impression. But it's not the case, is it? This is a place where we come together because we love Jesus. We love God. And we have such joy and hope and freedom in that space. This, for me, is a place where we can be who we are. And we can break free of those shackles of fear. And for you, you might have this uh, when you're sitting at uni in class or at school, uh, wherever that happens to be. Or you might be at the pub or the cafe or somewhere like that. And someone says something just that little bit deeper. And you have an opportunity to walk into that moment. Now this is not a, I don't want to take you on a guilt trip, pack the bags, we're going. No. This for me is about God providing the opportunity and us stepping into that space. And sometimes you're going to miss it. Like my friend Shane, like some of my other friends around the country who are (laughs) non-Christians. Opportunities get there and I see it and I go to open my mouth and the conversation changes. That happens. But actually, for us, I think we need to be ready we need to have that, to have that, that moment where we just go, I want to be part of this. I am part of this. And I want to share this with you. Because when you find something good, you want to share it, don't you? Who's recently been to see Rogue One? Did you share that with them? Gosh, there's really not a lot of Star Wars fans. Okay, well, let me tell you another story. I, uh, for my sister's birthday, uh, she's a bit of a foodie. Do we have any foodies in the house? Oh, there we go. We're more than Rogue One. Well done. Uh, So 
Uh, she loves to do all sorts of things with food. Well, I was down at a local market near us, and a lady was standing there with a, a thing, and she was uh, demonstrating this little food utensil. Uh, on one end, it had a peeler, but this wasn't a normal peeler. You could go backwards and forwards, and it would create a long piece of carrot or whatever. It happened to be that you were peeling. Then you turned it around the other end, and you could go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, and it would julienne the carrot for you which is tiny little, fine little bits. And then on top, it had a, uh, a sort of um, nutmeg grinder uh, type thing. So you'd take your spice and you'd rub it on it and it would produce the spice. My, I saw this thing and it was usually $40 down to $10. That was a bargain in the starting place. But it was just like, oh. And knowing my sister, I bought this thing for her and took it down and, and delivered it on her birthday. We spent the afternoon julienning cauliflower and carrot and everything that we could find in her fridge. It was amazing. Now, I've told people about this thing all up and down the country, and then I get emails from people telling me, I've got one too, they're amazing. That for me is that, isn't it? When you find something good... You want to share it. It's the same for us with our faith. This is something so good. This knowing Jesus and having this freedom is something so good. And when we make that invitation, when we invite someone to come and be part of it, it's the key that opens people's hearts. If you have your Bibles, I want to show you that Jesus does this really, really simply. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you might have your phone or whatever it happens to be. Turn with me to John 1, 35 to 50. And it goes like this. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there goes the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, I think there's a little bit more to this. Because I think those two disciples went, what did he say? He said, the Lamb of God. Do you think maybe we should go? Well, I'll go if you go. Okay, let's go. And they went and they followed Jesus. And you can imagine that on their way to Jesus, they're thinking, what are we going to say? And here it comes. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, what do you guys want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, this is one of the first questions that Jesus gets asked. It's a bit of a strange question, really, isn't it? Come, he replied, and you will see. See the invitation that opens their hearts. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Well, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, realizing that he'd been wordy with the other two disciples, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, 
was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, that's essentially saying, Pyroa, can anything good come from Pyroa? Anyone here from Pyroa? Come and see, said Philip. He invites him in. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip even called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. I think Jesus gives us an amazingly simple model for how we go ahead. If we can just go back to the normal screen rather than that one, I'll come to that. Um, He gives us a really simple model for how we do invitation. Whether it's you're inviting to church, whether it's you're inviting to something like Alpha, or whether it's you're just inviting people to your home. He gives us this amazingly simple model. People are interested in spiritual stuff. They want to know more. So the thing for us is just to keep our invitation simple. Jesus says, come and see. And realizing that three words was a little bit long, he cuts down to two the next time. And he says, follow me. And he invites people to come. That for us might look like, hey man, I'm going to this thing called Alpha on Monday night. Do you want to come? And it's a really simple way to invite And the team have also um, produced little invites, which they'll have at the end of the service, which you can grab as well. And that in itself is just another way of reinforcing, hey, would you like to come and be part of this? And that for me is quite exciting, how simple it is. Because in the end, it's not really about us, is it? It's about God and what he's doing. We can't work 24-7 in our friend's life. We can't be there 24-7 in our friend's life. In fact, we don't probably want to be in our friend's life 24-7, do we? The only person that's big enough to do that is God. The second thing I love about this passage is the way Nathaniel responds. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Because that's the sort of stuff that we'll get as well. When you go and invite someone, they'll go, no. (laughs) You go, okay, awesome, no worries. Or they'll go, actually, I've tried that before and I don't think it's for me. Okay. For me, the exciting part is just the invitation. It's like Moses. Moses has this great passage in the Bible where he has to go stand on a rock, hold out his staff, and then God does this amazing thing where he parts the waters. When I look at that story 
and maybe it's because I'm a New Zealander and a bit cynical, I would have said to God, why do you need me? Surely you can do the amazing thing without me. What do you, why do you need me to go and stand and hold out the staff? The thing is, God likes to use us. He's looking for people who are available and ready to be used. And it's not complex, I promise you. It's quite easy and quite simple. Hey man, I'm going to this thing. Would you like to come? Yes or no? The fun thing there is that they're not rejecting you if they say no. They're actually rejecting something much bigger. God again. It's not going to hurt your relationship. It might change your relationship. I'll give you that. The moment that I stepped out at the Australian High Commission and said, yes, I'm a Christian and here's what I used to do, it changed the relationship. But it meant that over that time I had some amazing discussions. And I invited six of them to come on an Alpha course at different times. Four of them made it to the first week, two of them made it to the second week, and that was it. But for me, it's not about whether they came and stayed. Because God's working on a journey with them, I would have loved them to stay, and I'll still pray for them now. For me, my part, my holding out my staff, was the invitation. The bit where I stepped forward and said, hey man, do you want to be part of this? And here's an opportunity to find out some more about it. And whether they stepped into it or not was entirely up to them. I think part of our problem uh, around inviting is that we currently have the wrong thinking. Our belief goes like this. If, we wanted, if they wanted to come, they would come. But really, the only way someone is going to come is if we change that belief and started with, if we invite them, many would come. I have this lovely little poem that I love, uh, and it goes like this. If we accept a belief, you reap a thought. If you sow a thought, you reap an attitude. If you sow an attitude, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. Now, isn't that exciting? Just by changing the way that we think and the way our beliefs operate, we can change our habits, our character, and our destiny. Just by changing this one thought to if we invited them, many would come we could change the world. We could truly change the world. I uh, was lucky enough to meet a, a lady in the Hawke's Bay named Elaine. And Elaine is 80 plus. Uh, I didn't ask her age specifically, so she might be 70 to 80, but around about there. Um, she had one of those moments in the morning uh, where she was praying and she asked God for a God moment throughout the day. And Elaine went out, uh, got, re got ready, went out to the supermarket uh, and walked into Countdown and just sort of happened to glance along the checkouts. And God highlighted one person to her. And she suddenly knew that this was going to be her God moment. 
Uh, this lady who was standing at the checkout, her name is Laura. Uh, and uh, Elaine didn't know that at the time, but Elaine uh, was a little bit nervous um, and she wandered up and down the aisle a little bit, you know, at the front counters there where they have all the chocolates and, and mints and Coke and all of that sort of stuff, trying to sort of get a little bit of courage and break through the fear that she knew that God was talking to her about connecting with this person. And she had a really simple message for Laura. So once everything had cleared, uh, Elaine walked into the aisle uh, and, said, and bought her chocolate <laughs> so that she had a reason to be there. Laura didn't look at her strangely right from the start. Uh, and she said to Laura, hey, look, I feel like God wants to tell you he loves you and he knows your name. And for Laura, it was something that she'd been crying out for. And she almost, <laughs> she said to me, she almost completely melted down into tears completely all over the place. Well, Elaine then uh, said to her, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And Laura said, here? And Elaine said, yeah. What I'm gonna, why don't you just put your hand on the travelator and I'll put my hand on yours. We'll keep our eyes open and I'll just pray a really simple prayer. And she did. For me, that moment of being available to God and seeing that opportunity is so exciting. And I think God has these for all of us. You've got Alpha starting on the 20th of February, which is about three, four weeks away. I think you've got opportunities coming your way. And sometimes you'll get multiples. Because you'll see one and then it'll whiz past like I happen to have happened to me a number of times. But quite often there'll be a place where you can step into it. And the exciting thing is you've already been praying for people. There are over 850 names that are being prayed for uh, that you've put in in your little prayer cards, which is amazing. Now is the fun stuff, though. Over the next three or four weeks, that's stepping into a place where you just invite them to come along. Invite them to come and be part of it and be available and looking for those opportunities. For me, all of us have more authority than we realise and so much more uh, that we can currently, so much more than we currently operate in. The more I've stepped out in this journey, the more incredible things I've seen God do. I will admit it's been a process, and the first time I invited someone to something churchy, I was terrified. But the more I've done it, the easier it's become. It's like in cricket. Who likes cricket? Woo, there's a few. Awesome. I won't say who likes the black caps, because that's just dangerous. But in cricket, what happens is one... They try and bowl a ball and get the person out. The entire, pur the entire purpose of someone bowling at a batter is to get them out. It's not so that they can whack the ball around. It's so that we can get them out. And do you not want to know how many thousands of balls someone can bowl? Richard Hadley, who was one of New Zealand's best bowlers in the, uh, whenever he bowled in English soil, uh, took over 400 wickets but he bowled over 10,000 balls to get those 400 wickets. 
10,000 balls for 400 wickets. And sometimes for us, we invite once, we get a no once, and we never do it again. I think we need to change our attitude and change our belief structure and say, actually, if I invite them, maybe they'll come. But until you actually do that invitation, you won't know. And that, for me, is the exciting part. I want to encourage you to push your limits in this. I know it's scary. And I still find it scary. I still find I get the spaghetti or the butterflies. But we're called to be on a mission exactly where God has planted us to be. It's often easy to find ourselves investing more in the status, in keeping the status quo, not realizing that this world's status quo is actually at odds with the kingdom of God and that transformation that He wants to bring in people's lives around us. For me, I dream, and I'd love you to dream with me, what would happen if everyone in here and everyone in the church invited someone to come and they said yes? Wouldn't that be amazing? No? Okay. Yes, it'd be amazing. No, it wouldn't be amazing. You with me? Yeah, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Imagine if you had lines outside the church waiting to get in. Imagine if you had to turn up, I know this is non-Baptist, so I'll be careful about what I say. Imagine if you had to turn up early <laughs> to get in. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if you're pushing your trolley in Countdown and someone comes up and taps you on the shoulder and goes, you go to that church down the road, Bethlehem Baptist, right? You're like, yeah, I do. And so they turn to you and go, I've been waiting in line for three weeks and I haven't been able to get in. Can you get me in? Wouldn't that be amazing? I've seen it. I've been to a church where we had to wait in line outside and we weren't sure whether we were going to get in. The stuff is possible. But it starts with one very small little step. And it's not about you being rejected Again, remember my ballet story. Your friends are most likely to still be your friends. Your colleagues are still most likely to be your colleagues. But taking this one little risk and just saying, hey man, we've got this alpha thing happening, would you like to come? Hey man, we've got church on Sunday, would you like to come? Hey man, we've got a home group, would you like to come? Whatever it happens to be, just might connect people into God. Wouldn't that be exciting? For me, invitation is a key that opens people's hearts. It's a thing that just starts, starts them on this adventure even more than where they are. It's like a kickstart. Because then they know that they can come to you with these questions. And you might not have the answers, and that's brilliant. You don't have to have the answers. But you can explore it together. For me, Having that boldness and courage to invite makes an amazing difference. So as the band come, uh, I'm going to uh, ask you to do something bold and courageous. Uh, if you'd like to. Don't have to, but if you'd like to. If you'd like 
more boldness and courage as we come into this period of invitation. Would you like to stand with me? And I'll pray for us. If you'd like more boldness and courage. Thank you. Fabulous. Let's pray, eh? Lord Jesus, you give us so much. We have such hope and joy and freedom in you. I thank you, Lord, so much for it. I pray, Lord, right now that you would give us boldness and courage in just overflowing amounts. We want to be sensitive to the people around us for sure, Lord. But we want to break any fear over us in Jesus' name. We want to be free. We want to be your people. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and dwell in us as we have these opportunities. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see see these opportunities and see these places where you want us to connect. Help make us available, Lord. And give us that boldness and courage just to have that one line. Hey, would you like to come too? Thank you, Lord, so much for your grace and mercy for us. In Jesus' name, amen.